we welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives are your parenting coaches, Siope Kinikini and Kimber Peterson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Smarter Parenting Podcast. I'm your host here, Siope, and I'm happy to have you here with me wherever you may be in your daily routine. I'm joined today by Kimber and this is exciting because we're going to be able to talk to you about co-parenting with different opinions and how to work through those things. So I'm excited to have Kimber here. Kimber is coming with a lot of experience in working with parents who have struggled with uh, child behaviors. And so to have her input and her perspective is going to be invaluable to you and also to me, because I learn something new every time we talk about these things. I'm going to have Kimber just say hi and Anything you want to say? Okay, I'm Kimber Peterson. I'm really excited to be here. We are going to talk about co-parenting, which is so important to me. I will share things about my family, my experience all along the way. I am a parent and I have a husband who we've worked with a variety of different kids, our own biological kids, dozens of foster kids. Um, we're both in the same world of coaching parents and working with families. And so We've bounced ideas off of each other a lot over the years. And so this topic has been really important to me because although we don't get it right every single time, we've learned a lot along the way and those skills are invaluable in helping us with parenting. So this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart for sure. That's wonderful. Uh, what I want for the listeners, because Kimber may be relatively new to Smarter Parenting podcast, can you explain a little bit about the work that you have done and the work that your husband has done in this field, in this area? Of course. So we both started really young. He was in college. I had recently graduated and we became family teachers is what it's called. Essentially, we were foster parents um, where we both worked full-time as foster parents and moved into a home that had six boys and they were wild. <laughs> <laughs> what were the ages of the boys? We had boys between five and 13 years old, and we didn't have any of our own biological children at that time. Uh -huh. And so we really learned a ton about boys. And I, I love working with little boys. They're, they're great. They're fun kids. So I've learned a lot about that population and that experience. But then beyond that, we both moved into supervisory roles. Um, we worked with different populations from teenagers to little girls to, um, you know, everything in between. And then really started diving into working with the parents or the staff or the adults or whoever was responsible for those kids and really getting people onto the same page with their parenting. And um, that's a whole nother ball game. Working with kids directly and then working with parents can be a little bit different. And so it was really fun to learn those different skills to be able to work with a variety of people. But we both moved into those roles and, and uh, he now works with our private boarding school. We've talked about how Smarter Parenting is part of Utah Youth Village and Utah Youth Village has lots of amazing programs. One of them is Alpine Academy and that's where my husband works. So he oversees some of the um, residential homes there that work with teenage girls and teenage boys. And I am here on the Smarter Parenting team and so excited to be here. But I've spent the last several years working with our kids with Utah Youth Village that are in state custody. And so kids between the ages of about five and 18, they've been able to come into our programs and work intensively on some of their behaviors and things that have gone on for them um, with our variety of different teams and our different homes that we have available to work with them. And so 
I've put on a lot of hats over the years as I've had a variety of roles in helping support children and families, but that's kind of what's brought me here today. Yeah, you know, uh, for the listeners, I think it's really important for you to understand the value that Kimber is bringing to the Smarter Parenting podcast, because not only was she a foster parent, she actually helped to train other parents who were doing the same work and then supervised multiple parents who were doing this work with children who had some major behavioral issues. So she's coming to the Smarter Parenting podcast with immense experience. I mean, she really does come with a lot of experience and she knows and she can see and quickly assess situations and make decisions on what is the best approach for parents to use. So I can't tell you how excited I am to have Kimber as part of the Smarter Parenting team, because this is extremely helpful for parents everywhere. And what she's going to be able to provide is going to really help a lot of parents. So super glad to have her here during this podcast, where we're going to talk about co-parenting and actually working with different issues that parents are facing when they're raising their children. So before we begin, I do want to define co-parenting. So we're using the words co-parenting. What we're talking about here is parents who may be separated or divorced and raising a child together, or parents who are still married but disagree on the way that they are raising their child. We all come with our own baggage to parenting. We all come with our own set of skills and our own strengths. And sometimes those don't mesh with our spouse or our partner And in what ways can we work through those disagreements or those issues to find common ground? So during this podcast, we're going to cover three specific topics. One, I want to cover what are the issues most parents argue about in parenting. Uh, The second item I want to cover is emphasizing common ground. In what ways you can focus on common ground with your spouse or partner in a co-parenting situation so you can start that communication happening. And then the third thing is to give you the skill of effective communication in resolving those co-parenting issues that may arise. You know, our goal in creating this podcast was to help every parent, whether they're married or separated or, um, you know, whatever their circumstances are, as they're working together to raise children, when they come to disagreements, we want them to have a skill to be able to parent children effectively and uh, to be able to accomplish some of those goals that they have together. Now, sometimes there are cases of physical, sexual, or emotional abuse, and in those circumstances, professional interventions are not only recommended to resolve those issues, but also expected. I'm glad you brought that up because that's absolutely true. Sometimes when there are circumstances that involve abuse, you need somebody else to step in and help you resolve those issues. So let's talk about what the common issues are that parents argue about, because That's what happens is parents disagree and they usually draw a line in the sand and they say, this is the way it should be. And the other parents say, no, this is the way it should be. But what are the areas where those are touchy subjects? Oh, there's a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, give me an example, Kimber. What are some examples that you can think of? You know, anytime that we're under stress or pressure, I think that it's pretty easy for us to start snapping at those that we love and care about the most. And so I think oftentimes parents can speak poorly of another parent, whether that's in front of their child or to their child, that sort of um, negativity can be really damaging to the family as a unit, but to those co-parents as they're trying to 
demonstrate that they're on the same page. So that's a big one. Yes, absolutely. A parent speaking poorly of another parent, that really kind of undermines the authority of one parent. It's the authority of both. Explain that a little bit more to me. It does that to both. Yeah, I think that, you know, when we've got maybe mom speaking poorly about dad, and maybe it's just a general statement like, oh, of course, he did not take care of this again. And just kind of out in the family, it's undermining dad because it's showing her disrespect for him. And we get it. There's tension. <laughs> Things come up. But it's also undermining her because it, it doesn't demonstrate that she's on the same team and on the same wavelength as him. And there's a lot of power that comes from that co-parenting partnership. I agree. You know, the sad part about that whole process, you're almost making a child have to define who's a good parent and who's a bad parent by what you say which really shouldn't be a position a child should be in. I think this is also hard because it comes up so frequently. I think it can come up in the little pieces of day-to-day, right? Rolling your eyes, um, you know, taking a deep sigh or openly expressing your irritation um, and speaking poorly about the other parent could come up all throughout your routine and your day. And it might be in little ways that you don't even acknowledge it. Um, and so having those communication skills to talk with one another as a spouse, which we'll get to later, can be really powerful in, in addressing those. Yeah, that's a big one. That's one of the big issues that a lot of parents argue about. What else? So bedtime routines. Mm, yeah. Schedule changes, the lack of consistency of follow through. You know, you say you're going to do something uh, with the child or you're going to implement a consequence. And then that consequence doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that can draw some issues between parents who will blame the other one. Well, you said you were going to ground them or you said you were going to give them an extra chore and now you're not doing it. You know, why? You're just not a consistent parent. So those are some of the other issues. Yeah. Um, and implementation of consequences where one parent will be more severe than another parent or uh, a parent may think a consequence is more effective in one way than another parent, that could always be an issue. Yeah. Or when you're kind of waiting for the other person to make the decision, sometimes it can be hard as parents to make some of these decisions around consequences. And you kind of look to the other person like, no, you pick up the ball this time. I got it last time. (laughs) Yeah. It's that parent exhaustion that we all feel, you know, because we do feel it. We're tired after a long day helping children, it does take energy to do that. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, this one has come up in my family, actually. I remember I was working with a, uh, he was about eight years old, an eight-year-old boy. We were foster parents for him. So he lived in our home and, and he was doing something that was really frustrating. And, you know, at the time, I, I don't even remember what the behavior was, but I do know that I was frustrated. <laughs> and, uh, when he was acting out, I, you know, approached him and I was calm, but I gave a consequence and it was probably a little bit heavier than it needed to be. And so I um, issued that consequence. He was upset, disappointed, but he was kind of coping with it and moving on. And my husband was a little bit in the background and he saw some of this as it was going on. He knew we're on the same page. We talk about these kinds of things a lot and we talk about them at neutral times so that we're prepared for these tense times. And he knew that, you know, I, I would also agree if I were not so frustrated, but this was too large of a consequence for this little boy. And so he ended up, um, you know, pulling me aside just a minute later and I'm just pointing it out to me in a really calm way. And, and the thing that he did was kind of 
just lay out the scene for me from a non-biased, uh, just a separate perspective and tell me a little bit about what he saw and then just point it out, you know, that sounds like it's a little heavy for him and that maybe he didn't need such a large consequence. It gave me a chance to digest it a little bit, to right, to, to pull myself together while he wasn't jumping in to take over and he wasn't correcting what I was doing um, to the, the boy that we were working with. But he was helping me adjust in a way that I could swallow and that we had practiced and, and talked about beforehand. So I ended up going back and, and talking to him, um, our foster son, about uh, about how I'd responded. And I just related to him and said, you know, I overreacted a little bit and I was feeling really frustrated. And and that was too big of a consequence. You did a great job accepting it. And, you know, I praised him and, and he was able to get that consequence lessened. And, and I just pointed out how I was human too. <laughs> But the way that my husband approached it took a situation that could have been an argument and could have included a lot of these, you know, parenting issues and, and turned it into something that was really productive, which was helpful. Yeah. You know what I love about that example is that in your working through a disagreement, because you had a disagreement on what consequence to give this child, uh, you guys were able to focus in on what is most helpful for the child. I mean, sometimes I think parents get stuck into, they just need a consequence. That's mm -hmm. the only way they're going to learn. And having that different set of eyes or somebody who can give you some perspective can be really helpful to keep you on track to what you really want to do, which is you want to teach your child what they should do instead. And you just don't want to throw consequences at kids because we know that doesn't work. But I mean, I think it's so powerful when you have a different set of eyes. And that's the benefit of having two people raising a child who may disagree because you can see things differently. And if you can communicate about those things, it really does make a huge difference in the well-being of your child. So Yep, that's a great point. It's less about what your opinion is and more about how you relay that to the other person. I think that can be so powerful. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, great example. Kyle's great, by the way. So I know Kyle, because we work in the same agency at the Utah Youth Village and Smarter Parenting, I know Kyle and he's, he's one of those very, I don't know how to say it, but he's just, he almost walks around with just wisdom. It's kind of, I don't know how to describe it. He just seems very thoughtful, but also very wise at the same yeah. time. So he's patient with his words too. I mean, I, th yeah. I think he really thinks things through and that can be powerful. So although yeah. he can often be quiet, he he's really got great insight on things. So he's a great partner. Yeah. He's got great insight. So anyways, thanks, Kyle. Great, <laughs> great lesson to learn from Kyle. So. He talks about me in his trainings all the time. So now I get to talk about him in my podcast. There you go. Let's brag about Kyle because Kyle, <laughs> we should have Kyle on here. You two should talk. That would be Yeah, great. that would be fun. That would be so fun. Okay. So one of the things in your example, though, is that uh, when you and Kyle can come together, you guys are emphasizing common ground, which is what is in the best interest of the child. And that's something that parents need to focus on especially when parents disagree on something, if you can focus on something that is a common ground issue or a common ground belief about your child, you're going to have far greater results in your communication with each other. 
So, yeah. yeah. And even with developing empathy for the other person, if you can mm -hmm. just pause and give them the benefit of the doubt, or in other words, find this common ground, you can gain a little bit of empathy for where they're coming from. And in that example that I gave, Kyle found that empathy before addressing it with me and knew that I wanted the best interest for our kiddo, but was also willing to do that in a way that helped me make that change. Let me ask you, so when Kyle approached you about adjusting the consequence or when he wanted to talk to you about this obviously he came in with a different perspective than you had in what way did he communicate that with you like was he you know listen to me or did he have a powerpoint or i don't know <laughs> you know i mean how did he go about communicating common ground with you so you guys could communicate about what's most effective yeah, so we actually talk about this before these tensious moments come up. And so we had talked about pulling the other person aside. And for me, like a tap on the elbow or something to just indicate, hey, step over here with me is really helpful. And so that's what he did. He tapped me on the elbow. He pulled me aside to the other side of the kitchen and he just pointed out what he saw. And he used a lot of the skill of observing and describing to relay back in a non-judgmental way, kind of what he walked into when he came in the room. And he said, you know, I've noticed that you get really frustrated when this behavior comes up. And, and when you issued that consequence, it was a bit larger than the last consequence here. And it kind of gave me a little bit of that relativity and just pointed out what he observed. And that helped me because he knew that we were on the same page and we had talked about a lot of these things at those neutral times that if I just heard from an outside perspective, what was going on, that I would come to a lot of my own conclusions of, yeah, you're right. That was too large of a consequence. It did need to be smaller. That's great. You know, so for our listeners, what you need to do is exactly what you and Kyle have done, which was in order to work with a child, you as parents need to find the common ground and you need to come up with ways that you can communicate about these issues, still focused on the well-being of your child. What are the focuses of you as parents in raising your child to be dependable and responsible and learning how to behave? So you guys actually agreed on how to communicate about these things before issues arose, which made it so much easier. I mean, you almost laid out a groundwork or a map of how to do this communication before any of the, the bigger issues came up. So when the bigger issues came up, you had something to fall back on and you didn't have to try and figure it out, right? Yeah, I think for us as humans and as parents, we just naturally kind of get into a pattern of reacting to things that come up and then not wanting to deal with them outside of that, right? I just hope that it won't come up again, even though I know fully well it will, and these things are going to come up and bubble up. But when those bubbles come up, if we haven't prepared something in advance, then we are just reacting. We're not responding to it. We don't really know. We don't have a game plan or there's not a lot of um, certainty in how we're approaching the issue. Yeah. And so when we do that conversation before, it can help a lot. Yeah. You know, this is the deeper work of parenting, really. I mean, it's really digging deep into yourself and doing some work on your own perspectives, the things that you believe, and also with your spouse who may have different beliefs than you. You know, there's a benefit in having somebody who, who does disagree with you because it opens up perspective. But when you are having these discussions, some of the things that you can bring up when you're speaking with a spouse who may have different beliefs about parenting, you can focus on the emotional well-being of your child, 
the ability of your child to feel loved by both of you, even though you may disagree, your child's emotional development, a better understanding of how to work uh, through disagreements. I mean, these are areas that are common ground issues. You know, you want to start with common ground. What is in the best interest of our child? You know, what does our child need to learn? In what way will our child learn it best? When you start conversations that way, and like you and Kyle have done, set up a groundwork for how this communication is supposed to happen, it really does prepare you to be more effective as a parent. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was talking with a couple, Jessica and Matt, um, they were two parents that that just kind of had a little bit of that parenting exhaustion, that decision-making exhaustion. We have to make so many decisions. And they just kind of struggled and were stuck in a point of not being able to move forward with where they were wanting to go. And, and finding this common ground was so powerful for them. Mm-hmm. As we talked about what was going on and them trying to navigate their son's behaviors and where different tolerances should be and what consequences were effective, they were able to find some of that common ground in really wanting their son to have that strong emotional well-being and have some of these values that were important to their family. You know, they valued things like integrity and they valued hard work. And these were some of the things that they wanted to have as the outcome. And as they started off on that common ground, they got a little bit of traction in their conversation and in the direction that they were going. And then we introduced the skill of effective communication so that they could communicate with one another and get to that indecision instead of just venting about the issues or relating to one another the problems and kind of pushing the decision to the other person. They started using the skill of effective communication to bounce it back and forth and then ultimately make a decision. So that was really powerful. That's wonderful. And that leads us into the third area that we wanted to cover in this podcast, which was how to use effective communication in resolving co-parenting issues. Yeah. You know, um, there are six steps to effective communication. You can find those steps on the Smarter Parenting website. And there's a video there. It's roughly around five, six minutes long where a parent walks you through how to use each of those steps with your child. In this case, we're talking about communicating effectively with your spouse or with your partner. And so in what ways can we implement this skill in order to help parents who disagree on something work through an issue. So Kimber and I are gonna work through this and we're gonna walk through each of the steps. First, we're gonna explain what the steps are and then we'll role play it, which is something that we are big on here at Smarter Parenting is role playing. And again, when we role play, what we're doing is we're creating a map. So our brain is familiar with the territory before we actually do it with our child or do it with our spouse. So we're prepared for it. And I've mentioned this before. We all only have a limited amount of bandwidth a day in our brains to work with. So anything that you can make easier, you want to make easier. And when you are prepared and you make decisions beforehand and you have a structure or a map in place, that actually alleviate some of the bandwidth you have to spend later on in the day or in a situation. And it frees up your mind to be able to focus on other areas. So very, very important. Kimber, do you want to go through the steps? Yeah. So when using this skill, the first thing that you want to do is look at your spouse who's talking and pay attention to what they're saying. 
you know, when we lay this out in the video, we do talk about it being your child a lot, but effective communication works with anyone. So in this circumstance, look at your spouse who's talking and pay attention to what they're saying. Step two is once your spouse is finished talking, use their words to describe what you understood. And that their words piece is really important because it helps relay that you heard them and keeps that consistency. Step three, ask your spouse if what you said is what they meant, then they'll correct you if you're wrong. Step four, in a calm manner, state your thoughts on the subject. Step five, they must repeat what they heard, affirm whether you're right or correct them if you're not. And step six, come to a solution if possible. And if not, then repeat the steps and use the skill of decision-making. So this back and forth can help relay things back and forth over and over again until you kind of get to that final solution of where you're going to resolve uh, the issue or the concern that you brought up in the first place. Yeah, you know what's fascinating about this, and I think a lot of people who are looking at effective communication thinks it's just this back and forth. But if you notice, you don't actually start sharing your opinion or your thoughts on something until step number four. There are three steps that come before you actually start sharing your thoughts on a subject. And what's beautiful about this is it requires you as a person to really pay attention to what someone is saying, to really try and understand what they're saying, and to verify with them, which validates their feelings of being heard and being connected with you. And then you start sharing your own thoughts. And this is such a powerful way to communicate with anybody. You can use this with a child, with a spouse, with a coworker, with your boss. You'll find that it's a game changer in the way that they communicate with you and the connection that you feel with people. So uh, fantastic. So we're going to do a role play with this. I'm going to let Kimber kind of guide the role play along. And this will be a good example for you as our listeners to see what this feels like, what this sounds like, and so you can experience it. And again, preserving some of your bandwidth for the other things that you want to do with your child, like love them and care for them and have a good time with them. So we're going to walk through how to use effective communication in resolving an issue where the parents disagree about something. So for this role play, we're going to be co-parents because that fits the nature of our topic. So COPE, I will go ahead and come up to you as my co-parent and we'll address an issue. Okay. Okay, so in this role play, Siope and I are going to be co-parents to a teenager. And so I'll go ahead and address a concern with him that we can discuss out and make a decision on. Siope, I am really frustrated. Our daughter came home at 11 o'clock last night. Her curfew is 10 o'clock. That is well past her curfew. And I think that she needs to not have friends for at least a week, maybe longer. You are concerned because our child came back at 11 o'clock instead of 10 o'clock, which is her curfew. And you feel like the consequence should be that she doesn't have any friend time for a week. Is, is that right? Yeah, she needs to learn. This isn't okay. And you want her to learn that breaking curfew is not okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, I disagree. I I think allowing her some flexibility because I want her to be a more independent and make some decisions. I do agree that it was too late for her to come back, but she called and we were in contact with her, even though she kept pushing it farther and farther down the line till she eventually got home at 11 o'clock. I don't know. I think taking friends away for a week is a little too extreme. So you think that 
there still needs to be some sort of consequence because she didn't come home on time and that she was pushing it, but that because she was communicating and she was keeping in touch with us and because we need to have some flexibility with her that a week is too long to go without friends. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I feel. It sounds like we both agree though, that we do need to implement a consequence because she didn't come back on time. She should come back on time. And really my expectation is she comes back and then she asks, not send us a text to ask, not call us to ask, but actually come back home and then ask. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, but it just shows respect that she's going to follow through with what we agree. And whether we say yes or no, you know, that's up to us to decide, but it's not safe for kids to be running around the streets after curfew. I just don't think it's a good idea for her to be. Right. I agree. Yeah. If we set a consequence with her, do you agree that it needs to be around spending time with friends? Yes, I do. Yeah. So it, it could be that she isn't able to spend time with friends for the next two nights, but if she practices, maybe she can earn one of those nights back. Okay. I'm okay with that, actually. I just want to teach her to follow through and be responsible to come back when we expect for her own safety. And as long as the change is made, I'm okay with whatever the consequence is. I just really want to see the change be made. Oh, okay. Great. Great, great, great. So we were able to walk through that. If you notice, we had a lot of common ground to work with because uh, what we were focused on were issues involving the well-being of our child and not really necessarily focused on, I'm right, you're wrong. We're going to do it my way, not your way. And effective communication really does open that up to allow you to communicate and really think about things in the other person's perspective. And for me, during this conversation, it helped me reassess what I believed because I had to really think about it when you were repeating back, is that what I meant? Is what I'm saying mm -hmm. what I meant, you know, or did I miscommunicate that in some way? So, yeah. What are your thoughts yeah. on that, on the whole process that we just went through? No, I think it's good. I think that there's a lot of strengths to be found that in our conversation back and forth, we were looking for the common ground rather than looking to, to gotcha or to to catch the other person disagreeing or those kinds of things. We acknowledge the disagreements while still looking for the connections. That's powerful, especially when there's feelings and there's frustration around it. Well, my kid's staying out too late. That's rough on me. I need sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? My wife says the exact same thing. She's like, it's not really about anything <laughs> other than I can't sleep unless you're in the house. I yeah. can't sleep. You know? <laughs> I think I speak for, for most dads where we're just like snoozing on the side already, you know, so <laughs> she'll be fine. She'll be fine. Uh, topic is interesting because it is a, a point of contention or it has been a point of discussion with me and my wife, with our daughter as she's growing up because she has wanted to push curfew and her curfew is way earlier than her friend's curfew. And so justifying that and then having her come and, use effective communication with us because she uses a skill with us to talk about disagreements. She wants to state, this is my friends. I'll do this. And why can't I do this? You know, and we can't make it. I'm right. You're wrong. They're wrong. They're wrong. And I'm right. And you really have to find a way to communicate effectively and in a calm manner where 
there's mutual respect on the parts of both parties. Mm-hmm. So that's fantastic. Yeah, great job. Great job in the role play. Yeah, Hopefully, thanks for practicing with me. Yeah, this is exactly what you should be practicing. And again, we want you to emphasize the common ground that you and your spouse or your partner are focused on when you start to have these conversations. Is this in the well-being of my child? And really, you need to put aside ego. You need to put aside your own agenda and focus in on the agendas that you both agree on in order to move forward. And using the skill of effective communication will help. And if this is a new skill for you, I'd suggest using it on the little things, right? Rather than taking the heaviest and deepest contentious moments and frustrations, start applying it to the little things, the little disagreements that come up or the little agreements that come up. Effective communication is about communicating. Mm -hmm. It's about relaying your opinions to one another. And sometimes you'll be on the same page, but using some of this language to state your values, to state the reasons, to restate back to each other helps pull you into sync. And so if you start doing that with all of the little things, when those big emotional, frustrating conversations come up, you're more prepared and you've established that pattern so that you know how that conversation is going to lay out. Perfect. I couldn't have said it better myself. So absolutely practice on the small things, you know, work on small things, even positive things you can use this for. It's kind of funny because when you start doing this, you start doing this yeah. uh, skill <laughs> naturally. If you didn't notice, Kimber said something, but I was paying attention. So I started restating what she's saying just to be sure that I understood. And also that she understood that I understood. So it's kind of interesting how this, after you start doing it for a while, it just becomes a natural way of communicating with people. You just want to be sure that everybody is on the same page. So Mm -hmm. fantastic. That's great. Okay. So your challenge to listeners is to use this skill today with someone. Now, if you're new to the skill do exactly what Kimber suggested. Try with something small. You may even want to choose something that is a positive in your interaction with somebody, but practice it because the only way you're going to be competent and proficient in this skill is by practicing it. But I want you to practice this with your child, with your spouse, your partner, your friend, coworker, somebody at the grocery store. It does not matter. Practice the skill. Use each of the steps become familiar with it until it starts to become a natural part of your communication. All right. Do you have any last words, Kimber, that you want to share with everybody? No, thanks for practicing. I'm looking forward to to sharing more about my experiences, my family. I'll put them in the spotlight and we'll learn more about these skills together. Yep. No, sounds great. All right. That's it from us. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.